0: Zoo animals can get easily bored, and that's a tall order for zookeepers to keep the critters engaged and active.
1: He loves to destroy, as all big birds, cockatoos, parrots like to do.
0: A day in the life at Miller Park Zoo, next on WGLT's Sound Ideas. Good afternoon. I'm John Norton. Also on today's show, Congress takes the first step to dodge a debt crisis. Bloomington Normal lawmakers disagree on how to do it.
2: My concern is we're $32 trillion in debt. You can't
3: just uh, stand up on the on the, the street corner with a sign and say, I want, I want.
0: And State Senator Dave Kaler says more higher ed funding is long overdue. The affordability of
4: higher education is, is one of the big decherants we're having.
0: Those stories follow a Bloomington Normal News update, which is just ahead. This is WGLT Sound Ideas on 891 FM and WGLT.org, part of the NPR Network.
2: Support for WGLT comes from Bloomington Normal Audiology. Here, My Story continues with local patient Bill McKay.
0: My second piece of advice would just be talk to somebody that's wearing some hearing aids. Boy, after I got them, and now that I'm wearing them, I I wear them every day now. I'm a member. I'm in that club.
5: I get it. And it's okay to be here. Bill's full story can be found at bnaudiology.com.
0: From the campus of Illinois State University in Normal, this is WGLT's news magazine Sound Ideas. I'm John Norton. Unlike young children on a car ride chanting, Are We There Yet? Animals in zoos can't tell you when they're bored to tears. Some of them don't even have tear ducts. And it's the job of zookeepers to make sure the animals in their care stay active mentally as well
5: as physically. WGLT's Charlie Schlinker
0: has more on how that happens.
5: It's about midday at the Miller Park Zoo in Bloomington, and two otters, Tallulah and Rhett, are bouncing around the enclosure, eagerly, almost impatiently looking around. You can see right now, they're anticipating their staff coming, they know. Zoo director Jay Pratt says it's time for the daily enrichment session with zookeepers. So they're super excited and waiting for their caregivers to show up for a training session. For the otters, the training blends with food, as it does for a lot of species. Wendy Klessig is the most senior zookeeper at Miller Park. She's been there more than two decades and is getting the otters to twirl around and stand up to get bits of fish.
0: Circle.
3: Again, circle. No, that's not it. Circle. Good try.
5: The training is for the otters, but it's popular with people too.
6: So, our otters
3: are eating um, four types of fish, two are freshwater fish and two are saltwater fish. You wave? Lula, can you wave? There you go. Ah,
2: Sandy! They're
3: getting capelin and herring, which are saltwater fish, and they also get squid, which are a
5: saltwater food item. And there's a practical purpose to the training too. Plessig says having Tallulah and Rhett stand up lets zookeepers see their bellies and whether they are pulling out tufts of fur. That's a possible sign of stress. If so, staff will try to do more enrichment. Zoo director Jay Pratt says in a room behind the scenes, they also work on more extensive medical behavior.
3: We'll have them participate by getting onto a scale so we can check and monitor their weight. I've done the advanced otter training in the past. We're working on it here where they will you know, go into a PVC tube and allow us to do uh, more physical inspections. Otters can be ultrasound, X-ray, uh, and injection trained. Pratt says other kinds of enrichment are simply for the mental well-being of the animal. We'll give them ice blocks, uh, frozen fish, different things that takes them more time to interact with or work with to really challenge them to use their little otter powers, their um, natural behaviors. It's just one thing to throw a toy in and say, "Oh, they can play with it." But what do we want them to do? Do we want do? Do we want them to smell it? Do we want them to manipulate
4: it?
5: That need for mental exercise is true of the heritage breed of pig at the Miller Park Zoo as well, mule foot hogs. Two of them are wallowing in muck, happy as a pig in, well, anyway, they're tossing around PVC pipes that have food stuffed into the ends. It's a variation on something used for many animals, a so-called puzzle feeder very clever about how she manages this puzzle feeder, so instead of having to chase
3: it all over the yard, she's pinned it into the corner, so she just has to roll it with her snout and things fall out. She's basically being lazy about it, but she's being efficient.
5: Pratt says the enrichment activities work best when they let or prompt animals to do the same things they do in the wild in the case of pigs, to snout things out as they forage. They're actually like
3: having to use their whole bodies. They're getting exercise, they're using their muscles, and they're doing what pigs do. They would dig, they would root around, they would tear things apart, they would think, because these are a
5: really intelligent species. Over at the bird enclosures, a couple of cockatoos, perch green and offer a gimlet side eye to the microphone. They're interested and would clearly love to get their claws on it. Zookeeper Julia Ely says one of the birds is Henry, a salmon-crested Hi, Henry. cockatoo. You're getting really Henry. really excited. Henry has been at the Miller Park Zoo since 2008. He's 27 years old.
1: And then he likes to say, good boy. You a good boy? Good boy! Good boy! He loves being told that he's a good boy. How do you know? Because he says it back, (laughs) and he he starts hopping around and uh, he gets his feathers up like that, all excited.
5: Parrots and cockatoos are ridiculously social creatures. In the wild, they can flock in the hundreds. A recent study found that parrots simply love video calling other parrots using tablet computers. They even like to choose which other parrot to get on the line. Ely says it's very obvious when these birds are stimulated. They bounce, they respond to zookeepers.
1: And He does all sorts of, he does all sorts of little things. That's one of them. Uh, one of his excited noises.
5: They will also try to get away and their beaks can snap branches.
1: This is Chompers. He's our uh, Glock cockatoo.
5: You can guess how Chompers got his name.
1: He gets uh, some hanging toys. He loves to destroy as all big birds, cockatoos, parrots like to do. So today he got some mulberry brows that he was very excited about. He was ripping apart the leaves, shredding them.
5: In the wild, that destruction of plants, bark, and branches helps them find food, nest, and explore their environment. In the winter, when there are no fresh branches to chew on, Ely says they give them paper, cardboard boxes, and paper bags. If parrots can't engage in those natural behaviors, nesting, social interaction with other birds or humans, and destructive investigatory behavior, very often they'll turn to pulling out their own feathers, self-mutilation. Most of the parrots you see in zoos have been, air quotes, donated basically left by people. Zoo director Jay Pratt says often parrot owners don't know what they're doing and end up giving bald birds to zoos.
3: Then those animals actually require extra care. They require that we try to understand like why they have these issues you know we try to get to the root of it try to uh, bring out more natural behaviors
5: but like with people those can be really entrenched and can take a lot of time to work through. Some birds of the parrot family can live up to a hundred years. Let's visit one other kind of animal that needs enrichment at the Miller Park Zoo, a family of five dwarf mongooses. Austin Allert is the zookeeper in charge of the mongoose family. Allert says since they are smart and social, they need more enrichment challenges than the average
2: animal. We have a plastic tunnel that they can crawl through and everything. Um, I have given them play pit balls in the past and put inside that tunnel. They responded pretty quickly to it. Um, they are pushing them all through the tube to display some curiosity habits and everything with that.
5: That is a pure play challenge. Allert also gives the mongooses a food puzzle, a honeycombed shaped tray with depressions in it. Some depressions have food, some don't, and the plastic balls hide some of the food, so they have to sniff it out and move the ball to get the goodies. There is real science behind designing enriching activities for the animals in the zoo. There's also creativity. Pratt says the zookeepers have to make sure the challenges are safe and sized right for big cats and small mongooses alike. The difficulty varies did they get all the food was it so easy they got everything in three seconds Pratt says animals change cognitively as they age as well, and zoo staff have to take declining abilities into account. Younger, more mobile animals need more challenges. There are lots of resources. Zoos share what works and what doesn't for certain animals, and the scientific community contributes too. Pratt says an ethogram is a general list of behaviors recognized for a species. So sometimes you can work off of ethograms. Sometimes it's papers or articles. Sometimes it might be a
3: National Geographic special that triggers you. I've come up with new enrichment ideas based on a German translation of an African crested porcupine paper from 15 years ago about how they forage in potato fields. So there's always different sources and then it's taking and
5: how can I recreate that effect for these animals. There may even be government regulation on how much enrichment reputable zoos must do. For instance, the U.S. Department of Agriculture licenses sanctuaries to have primates. You're required to provide complex uh, primate enrichment on a daily basis,
3: and you actually have to also record and demonstrate that you have provided that enrichment, you have
5: logged it, you are assessing the success of your program, that they have appropriate social and cognitive challenges. Pratt says animals are mar- marvels. Some seed-eating bird species can hide food in thousands of locations and remember each. He once worked on a red panda study in a peer-reviewed psychology magazine determining how long pandas remember where something was. It was based on the location where they saw light and then when the light went off, after how much of a delay, could they remember where it was? It was complex. It took about a year and a half to two years to teach them to interact with the device because it wasn't
3: just push this button, it was a concept. Not a not only do you have to push the button where the light is, you have
5: to push the button where the light was. Pratt says what they found was the male was more tolerant. The female learned the process better and retained more and she could deal with a little bit longer delay. Pratt says zookeepers should never stop learning about animals and their abilities and as Miller Park Zoo staff train and develop projects by owning their own areas, he says they may be able to pair up with universities for studies and make the animal activities even more robust and the animals healthier and happier. I'm Charlie Schlenker.
1: Hi, Henry. You're getting really excited.
0: (laughs) Sound Ideas is WGLT's news magazine. Thanks for listening on this Thursday. The Republican-controlled U.S. House moved to avoid a crisis when it approved raising the U.S. debt limit. But it came without the support of many Republicans, including one who represents central Illinois. More from WGLT's Eric Stock.
2: Darren LaHood of Dunlap was one of 71 House Republicans who voted against raising the debt limit. House Speaker Kevin McCarthy brokered the deal with the Biden administration as the U.S. government approaches a default deadline. LaHood said he was undecided on the bill as late as Tuesday. Here is LaHood speaking that morning at an event in Eureka. We can't default on our debt. All of you would be affected by that, whether it's your 401k, whether it's your retirement, whether it's your social security. You're going to be affected by that. We can't let that happen. You're going to be affected by that. We can't let that happen. LaHood ultimately voted no, saying he wanted more spending controls. He says everything should have been on the table, including the military budget. My concern is we're $32 trillion in debt. To put it into perspective, we spent seven and a half trillion over the last five years through COVID. Hood noted that he supported an earlier debt ceiling bill that passed the House that would have cut 3.6 trillion dollars in discretionary spending over a decade. The latest version cuts a more modest one and a half trillion. The new bill had more support from Democrats than Republicans. Eric Sorensen from Molina was among the Democrats who voted yes. Sorensen says he supports examining every dollar of a government spending and cutting out waste when the debt ceiling deadline isn't looming. He says now is not the time.
7: If that
3: was the case, then we would have veterans that lose services. Then we would have Social Security be threatened. Um, We would be threatening uh, with a recession Um, and and. I want to make sure that we're finding the compromise to get that done.
2: Sorensen says the debt ceiling bill isn't perfect. He calls work requirements for older Americans on food assistance benefits difficult to swallow. Sorensen says that will be a debate for another day.
3: You can't just uh, stand up on, the, on the, the street corner with a sign and say, I want, I want, right? It's important to remember that, you know, we will have chances in the future. Uh, to fix for for some of the stuff that's not in here.
2: Sorensen calls the bill a good test of Congress's potential for bipartisan cooperation. With reporting from Joe Deakin and Colin Shope, I'm Eric Stock.
0: Hood and Sorensen both represent parts of Bloomington Normal. The debt ceiling bill awaits a vote in the U.S. Senate. There, it will need 60 votes to pass. Senate Majority Leader Chuck Schumer has said lawmakers are prepared to stay the weekend to pass the legislation if needed stories and conversations around Bloomington, Normal, and McLean County. This is WGLT Sound Ideas. I'm John Norton. The over $50 billion state budget Illinois lawmakers recently approved provides more money for education, including a new early childhood plan. State Senator Dave Kaler is a Democrat who represents much of Bloomington Normal. Kaler tells reporter Joe Deakin from sister station WCBU additional money for higher education and student MAP grants is also long overdue.
4: I thought it was a very good budget. Uh, we you know, ended up having not quite as much money to work with this year because uh, some of the projections in April as, as the uh, some of the revenues uh, came in below target. Uh, we had to you know, cut back on, on some of the budgeting, but uh, all in all, it was a very good budget. It's a balanced budget. Uh, it funds our priorities. Uh, in particular, uh, we have a lot of uh, new money going towards educational programs. Um, not only do we fund uh, the uh, evidence-based funding for our K-12 through schools, but we uh, put in money for Early childhood education, there's $250 million towards the new program called Smart Start Illinois. Um, that was one of the, bu- the governor's priorities in his budget uh, message. Uh, we also funded uh, higher education. Uh, first time in, in many years that we've uh, increased funding towards higher education, which is very important uh, because uh, we know that uh, uh, affordability of higher education is, is one of the big deterrents for having students come out of high school and, and pursue a, a college degrees.
7: What would your response be to comments from across the aisle that this is just another rubber-stamped, excessive Democratic spending package that gives the governor more authority?
4: I think we hear, we hear that every year. Uh, so I'm not surprised that, uh, that that's the response uh, from the Republican side of the aisle. I think that in the Senate, we uh, we really reached out and, and had good participation from the, the Senate Republicans. Uh, I'm sorry that they chose not to support it, but uh, I think a lot of their priorities were also included uh, in this budget as well. So, I mean, education is is an issue that uh, doesn't affect just, uh, you know, blue districts. It affects all districts. Uh, So from, you know, the Wisconsin border down to to Cairo, uh, this is a good budget.
7: Do you think this does give the governor more discretionary power or ability to decide where state money goes?
4: Well, the the governor always has... uh, you know, a certain amount of discretionary, uh, you know, abilities within any budget. Uh, I think that we've outlined these in, in categories that, uh, that he first uh, outlined in his budget uh, address. Uh, we changed uh, some of that uh, to fit, I think, what we saw were uh, priorities uh, overall that, uh, that matched more, um, you know, the needs of the state. Um, so, I, no, I think it's a, it's a good budget. We, we lined out. Uh, what items we wanted funded at what levels, and um, I think that that's, that's what the people of Illinois expected.
7: You said you didn't have quite as many resources to work with as originally expected. Are there areas where you wish more could have been done with this budget? What wasn't quite addressed to what you would have liked?
4: Well, I think that, that higher education uh, in particular concerns me. I mean, we did increase the, the budget for higher education, but still uh, higher ed is, uh, is an area where we have um, an affordability problem. Um, you know, I think that we're we're trying to address that uh, through community colleges. Uh, you know, in, in in one aspect, and that is that uh, you know kids coming out of high school ought to be able to uh, uh, flow into a community college uh, in their area um, and and have it be affordable. Uh, then there's the next level, which is the four-year institutions. Uh, you know, I know that uh, uh, ISU, as an example, is one of the uh, state schools that uh, does not have uh, the same amount of equity funding for student as other, um, you know, state-supported schools. So I'd like to see that brought up uh, a bit.
7: What benefits can you point to in this budget that will help in your district specifically?
4: Well, I think school is number one. Um, and uh, the school funding, uh, you know, there's there's two parts of it. One is that uh, we continue with our evidence-based funding, which... Uh, uh, in particular, hits uh, uh, Perry Public Schools. Uh, uh, it, it hits uh, the Bloomington school system. Um, you know, I, th- I think that uh, in, uh, putting money into early childhood education is always a good investment. One thing too that I want uh, to talk about is that we've, uh, you know, upped funding for uh, law enforcement. Uh, we want to make sure that we can, uh, you know, have law enforcement address the needs of, of increasing violence uh, in our communities. Uh, we, you know, hear about. Incidents uh, every weekend, and uh, you know, we uh, last year we were able to uh, um, get money in the in the budget for communities in central Illinois, Bloomington-Normal and Peoria area, uh, all the surrounding communities. Uh, got increases that uh, law enforcement could use uh, in any way that they. I thought it was appropriate.
0: That was State Senator Dave Kaler with Joe Deacon from Sister Station WCBU. In the coming days on Sound Ideas, you will hear from Republican State Senators Tom Bennett and Sally Turner. Thanks for listening to Sound Ideas. I'm John Norton. Bloomington primary and secondary school students have taken inspiration from a variety of black leaders in the nation's history. They range from well-known civil rights leaders to entertainers with important voices to black entrepreneurs who built business empires. Well, WGLT is airing the voices of the students who have won awards in the City of Bloomington Black History essay contest. Today, you'll hear from 16-year-old Marisol Hunt as a junior at Bloomington High School and the first place winner of the high school category in the contest.
6: So what is the meaning of life to me? To me, there is no right or wrong meaning to life. Most people believe it is the greatest joy in the world and others think it is nothing and life is just meaningless. But in my eyes, life is scary. And as I grow, I am finding myself learning new things and trying out things that I would have never seen myself doing in the first place until I actually went through with it. It is hard in life because you never know where it might take you. You might go down the right path or the wrong path, but the wrong path can also lead you back to the right path and lead you to the success in your life. Sometimes life is hard, and sometimes it is difficult to want to continue with it, but the motivation pushes the limits of the mind and makes them to keep moving forward for a better life and future. Life is made of different situations and circumstances. There are many different ways to move on and build up the life that you want and need for yourself and maybe for the people you love and care about. In my life, there were some challenges that I had to overcome and lessons that I am still learning to this day. It is difficult to continue, but I know that the more I push myself, the more I will be able to succeed in the near future. I have always thought the world was against me and that I will probably never amount to anything in my life. But my family pushed me to be great, even if in my mind, I feel like a failure to everyone. Most people would be angry and upset if they were to get a D or an F on a test. But me, I was upset because I got a C. In my mind, I was feeling that the C I got would impact my future. It would not help me get into a good college and that I would never be great. But then I realized that grade is not that bad and I could easily push myself to bring it up to a higher one. I believed that I was never going to be able to graduate at the top of my class or that I was going to be put into regular classes instead of the classes I am already taking, which is honors classes. I pushed myself to bring my grade up, and within a day, I was able to bring it all the way up to an A without hesitation, and I felt a huge burden lift off my shoulders as I was able to breathe and not have to worry as much about it. The point of this is to say that pushing yourself to the limits can make you stronger and better in the long run. Don't give up. But also, don't push yourself to the point where you are starting to fall down a deep hole because of all the stress you're piling up on yourself. It is okay to take a step back and take a breather before continuing to move forward. There is no judging to that. It isn't bad to want to take a break and then continue. As long as you do not give up and continue to succeed and try countless times, you will be great. This is what life is about. It is about striving to be the best you can for yourself.
0: That's Marisol Hunt, one of the winners of the City of Bloomington Black History Essay Contest. The audio of Hunt's speech was produced by WGLT's Charlie Schlenker. And that's Sound Ideas Today. WGLT's news magazine is made possible in part by Bloomington Normal Audiology. You're listening to 89.1 WGLT and WGLT.org, part of the NPR Network.